there's there's three things with barbed wire. First Are thing two of them Anderson's tits. Uh, okay, there's five things with. <laughs> 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 Radio Drone. I'm Josh Hadley. I'm not a superhero. I probably never will be a superhero. You know who is a superhero-ish? Is Cecil. I, I'm a superhero-ish? Ish. What, what's, my, what's my superpower? To always be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even argue with that. And then the true Pancakes Watkins, Peter Gajic, is with us. Victims, aren't we all? If you want to be a superhero or pretend you're a superhero, what you do is you go to adamandeve.com. You use the promo code DROME, and you would get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping if you use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. The reason I say you can be a superhero is they do sell superhero sex costumes and superhero sex parody DVDs. So (laughs) they do! That's fantastic. I've seen a few of them. I'm sure you have. We're not actually going to be talking about superheroes tonight. We're going to be talking about the opposite. When everyone thinks of the uh, thinks of comic book movies, they think of the Avengers and Captain America and Superman and Batman and blah, blah, blah. But there are a lot of movies based on comic books that are not superhero based. We're going to look at some of the larger, the more interesting comic movies that do not have a superhero origin to them. And a few of these are really going to surprise some people because I I bet a couple of these you didn't know were based on comic books. When you think of a a comic book movie, you tend to go to, to superheroes. I mean, we all do. Leaving superheroes aside, what would be your favorite or your go to non superhero comic movie? The Crow. Absolutely. It's it's one of my all-time fa- it's probably in my top 10 all-time favorite movies. It's it's just so bloody good. I mean, he has regenerative Wolverine abilities, but he's not what you would consider a superhero. A supernatural mm-hmm. Punisher, love story, revenge flick, it's kind of a combination of things. It, actually, I'll say it's more of a supernatural death wish, really. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. It's kind of a it's a beyond the grave uh, rape revenge film, only without Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and see, I'll agree with you on the Crow. We got I got a whole list to go through tonight. The Crow is a fantastic movie. Weirdly enough, that was one of the first mainstream independent comic movies out there. Crow is not a Marvel comic. It's not a DC comic. It was it was a caliber comic. Who the hell's besides nerds like us? Who the hell has heard of caliber comics? The Crow is one of those surprising successes, I think. Well, I think it, it's it's sad to say because, you know, we'll never know for sure. But, I mean, there was such a positive buzz about it that it's like, would it have succeeded if Brandon Lee didn't die? Um, I think it would have succeeded as a film, maybe not in pop culture, but as a kick-ass movie, yes. I think it probably, it it, it would have done... I don't know if it would have done as well. I think it still would have done well, 
but it wouldn't have kind of been that tentpole moment of where, uh, you know, people went to see it and they were crying in the theater and all that. And I mean, it's it's a fantastic movie and uh, it's it's great. It's uh, because of the movie, uh, because of his untimely death they had to push technology forward. They had to do all that new compositing software where they were putting his face on top of uh, like the stunt doubles and uh, changing, uh, you know, repurposing scenes and stuff that movies hadn't done before. So it, it managed to be really influential, you know, so, you know, good came out of such a bad thing. Well, I definitely grew up on The Crow, so I'm not going to talk about that one because I think you guys really covered it quite well. But I had uh, uh, Heavy Metal and uh, RoboCop because with RoboCop, I don't think uh, the the people who know a little bit more about the movie uh, know that it was originally intended to be a Judge Dredd film. So that is another one that I consider to be one of my favorite uh, non-superhero comic book movies because it was the best Judge Dredd film for a time uh, before the Dread 3D film came out. So those are my my three go-tos would be Crow, Heavy Metal, and RoboCop. See, I disagree with you about RoboCop. The fact that it was originally a Judge Dredd film doesn't quite make it a comic book movie. There's still a ton of Judge Dredd in it, though, like uh, like lines, uh, the look of the character, the dystopian future. There's um, you, you could even say in a lot of ways that ED-209 is kind of a lot like Mean Machine and, and stuff like that. I think there still was a, a lot of a lot of Judge Dredd in there, like with without the original dread script for that movie i don't think robocop would have would have came to be probably not and it, and it was close enough that the producer of the never made judge dread movie in the 80s actually considered suing orion over robocop because it was such a cl- a ripoff of the judge dread movie they were in pre-production of at the time charles lippincott considered a lawsuit because of how close it was mm-hmm. but then th- there are other ones now, I don't have a complete chronological list here, but I would say arguably the earliest one is a film that most people forgot existed. 1969's Fritz the Cat by Ralph Bakshi. Based oh, off the, that is a weird movie. Based mm-hmm. off the R. Crumb comics, it's a, it's a comic book movie. It's an X-rated cartoon based <laughs> on a comic book. I bet a lot of people forgot until I just said that, that Fritz the Cat was a comic movie or even existed. Fritz the Cat, if you're... If you're into comic book movies today, Fritz the Cat's probably not going to be your taste. It's very 60s, it's very hippie, it's very counterculture, and it's very... It's probably the least subtle satire I have ever seen. Like, all the cops are pigs, they use the word nigger really freely, and you've got Fritz doing drugs and ejaculating. He's a cat and he's ejaculating on a woman and stuff, and Fritz the Cat is not what you expect of a comic book movie. Fritz the Cat is a, a movie I think I saw a lot younger than I should have. Like it's, um, I saw it back when I was still in elementary school, and um, I'm I'm one of the few the few kids from around that time when because uh, I remember Simpsons doing like 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 different versions of uh, Itchy and Scratchy, and one of them was drawn like Fritz the Cat, and I was one of the only people to go like, oh, shit, it's like Fritz the Cat. My friends are like. What are you talking about? Like, the, and, and the, I... the, the actual the actual <laughs> Simpsons thing was Itchy and Scratchy meet Fritz the Cat. Yeah, <laughs> the comic, book guy, comic book guy was watching it in the shop. That was it, it's really that one is just a very weird movie and and definitely counterculture and and it, it lacks subtlety in every way and it's it's totally raunchy and not what you'd uh, expect 
a comic book movie to be, which which I like because to me, comic book movies aren't just the Avengers and, and the Supermans and, and the Batmans and stuff like comics span a lot further than that. They, they go from from stuff like heavy metal to Fritz the Cat to the 2000 AD stuff. I, I like to see uh, movies and, and, you know, animated features and stuff branching out and doing stuff that isn't just, you know, the, the kid friendly shit. I'm with Peter. I saw it a lot younger than I probably should have. Cause I, I uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's animated, and wait, what the? Why are there? Look pen- a cartoon kitty. Yeah, cartoon <laughs> boobies, cartoon penis, and and uh, it was very weird. I don't even think I made it through the whole thing. I was just like, all right, I clearly do not understand what in the hell is going on. <laughs> and then I went and watched He Man or something. You, you know. <laughs> you, you mean you, you mean you didn't understand the oh so subtle the blackbirds speaking jive? Well, I mean, I I get it now, but yeah, the the blackbirds. It's like, oh man, it's so. <laughs> <laughs> but and honestly though i've still never seen the whole thing i've only seen just parts of it over the you know over the years and and pictures because people love to bring up the blackbirds which is funny but it's like you know it's so seven or so 60s just you have another one now everyone remembers this from its late 80s, early 90s incarnation. Everyone remembers the Tales from the Crypt TV series, and they remember the movies from the 90s. Do you remember that Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror had British-made anthology films in the early 1970s by the company Amicus? I only (laughs) just saw Vault of Horror uh, recently, and um, I I quite enjoyed it. It was uh, was a lot of fun. It's it's very, very sleazy. Very 70s, too. Yeah. Very British 70s. But mm. I'm just saying, everyone remembers Tales from the Crypt. There was two movie adaptations long before it was an HBO series. Well, wasn't wasn't one of them the the um, the Santa Claus? I don't remember the name of it, but it was the Santa Claus. All through Claus the house. Killer. All through, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, the chick from, from Dynasty? I don't remember if she was in that one, but... But yeah, the, the, these were pretty. The Amicus stuff were not really low budget trash. They were no. trying to be sophisticated, and they were anthology films. So each one has three or four stories in it, and some of those wound mm-hmm. up as being, you know, later retold as tales from the crypt episodes. I only yeah. ever saw the one, and I saw it a long time ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And then, I mean, comic book movies didn't do a whole lot. They, they, did, they tried on TV, you know, you had Doctor Strange, the live-action Spider-Man show, the Captain America stuff, but those are superheroes. Non-superhero comic stuff didn't wind up on the small screen very often. Do you remember when Model by Day, the independent comic, was a 1994 Fox TV movie backdoor pilot starring Famke Jensen? Yes, yes. Uh, I remember that because I was always a big fan of Famke Jansen. And uh, I remember they were plugging the hell out of that on uh, like in between commercials on 90210. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I, I I watched it. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it didn't it come out around the same time when uh, they did Black Scorpion with uh, Joan Severance or was that later? No, um, Model by Day was 1994. Black Scorpion was part of the Roger Corman Presents series on Showtime, and that didn't start till 1996. So if you want to say within two years being around the same time, then yes, but not really. Yeah, well, you know, like the, the longer you get away from a certain time period, the closer something <laughs> seems. You know, two years, eh, around that time. But uh, I don't know, for some reason, I guess it's just because it's two brunettes that are kind of being 
superhero-ish. I guess that's why. It no, kind of they're not tricks. being superheroes. They're just vigilantes. Well, no, I said superhero-ish. All right. Because because uh, Black Scorpion was kind of like Batman. She had uh, you know all kinds of gadgets and shit. And I don't really remember what model by day. I just remember that she was a model by day and you know and, vigilante, and a vigilante by night. Vigilante by night and uh, sexy. <laughs> All 24 hours a day. <laughs> and see, in the early 90s, superheroes were still considered death at the box office after the failure of Superman and then the, the never made canon Spider-Man movie and whatnot. And hey, you know, the, Superman was su- Superman one and two were not failures. It's when yes, they but got... I'm talking by the early 90s. You had the failure of Superman three and four. You had the the, the failure yeah, to, but... to get. Spider-Man off the ground, and then the Punisher bombed horribly. So superheroes were way out. Superheroes well, I'm just were saying, not going to be you know, to, Just saying to clarify, uh, you know, it was uh, Superman, Superman 1 and 2 were, were they big blockbusters, and it wasn't until the studio just started being stupid uh, that they <laughs> could continue to do now. But anyway, I just wanted to... Well, because in the early 90s, people were looking at independent comics to try and adapt. For instance, Hardware, Richard Stanley's fantastic 1990 Hardware, is actually a 2000 AD movie. Mm. It's based on an eight-page Future Shock story called Shock, S-H-O-K, about a drifter in a post-apocalyptic future, which is supposed to be part of Mega City 1, so it's technically connected to the Judge Dredd continuity in the comics, who Mm. finds this uh, destroyed droid and brings it to his artist girlfriend, who puts it together and it goes crazy in their apartment. Did you guys even know Hardware is a comic book movie, technically? I didn't. I did not either. Hardware is great, though. It's a um, really visually fantastic film. Really had a lot of uh, a lot of great uh, concepts, especially for its time. Uh, and it's one that I'm I'm going to be going uh, back and rewatching, uh, possibly as a double feature with Dread. Now that I know it's uh, technically a 2000 AD movie, that's uh, that makes it even more awesome. And, and, and when I say a 2000 AD movie, I mean in retrospect. Richard Stanley on the original theatrical prints forgot to credit 2000 AD or the shock story with any sort of screen credit whatsoever. They sued, Whoops. and yeah. it got put on subsequent prints. He says it was just an omission. You know, he always had it you know, as an adaptation and was not trying to steal credit. If you saw it in the theater, it's not a 2000 AD movie. If you saw it on video, it is because it has the credit. Oh, it's it's awesome. I just adore the movie. And uh, it um, does it surprise you. Does it surprise you that it is technically a Judge Dredd movie? Not really, because it does kind of uh, have that vibe, especially, you know, after seeing it so many times and, you know, knowing Dredd a little bit more now that I'm older. I I still remember the first time I saw it. It was just uh, I had had rented it from like a blockbuster or something. And uh, because I saw it, I think, in a Fangoria and Fangoria uh, pimped the hell out of that in 1990 yes that's where i first read about it too and i'm like and guar's in it and lemmy's in it and it's got music by ministry and iggy pop mm-hmm. how do i not want to see this movie yeah <laughs> between that and dust devil which i um well dust devil's th- about four years later but yeah well that's what i was gonna say dust devil um well wasn't uh, oh no i'm mixing things up anyway uh yeah yeah the uh the hardware I, I just remember uh them plugging it uh so much and uh finally you know blockbuster got it and i read it i was so excited and yeah lemmy and and uh um iggy pop as angry iggy pop. pop 
and um, oh god, I'm totally forgetting the girl's name. Stacy Travis. Uh, Stacy Travis, who was just great. Uh, it was just such a such a weird, different, cool movie. Just the visuals were amazing. The story was great. I just I got so sucked into it, and uh, I'm glad that they did. Um, kind of remaster it and put it on blu-ray because it's like it it's one of those movies that really does look beautiful do you know why it looks so beautiful what richard uh because richard stanley is a great director richard stanley is a great director (laughs) but he went into it with a specific visual style he said i want this to look like dario argento directed it and holy crap did he succeed huh yeah, he did. You could, you could really almost go, this is an unofficial Argento movie. It does have that like uh, late 70s, uh, 80s Argento vibe to it for sure. You know, and then you have other ones like, okay, this one technically isn't a comic book movie, but the 1984 Sheena movie based on the comic strip, this the, the, the newspaper strip, would you consider Sheena a comic movie then, even though it's not a comic book? Is, wasn't Tarzan like a strip too? Car- well, Tarzan was a strip, and then it became a radio show and a comic book, and Tarzan was in every... I don't think there's a form of media Tarzan wasn't. Okay. <laughs> and, like, same thing with, like, Green Hornet and all that. I, I kind of would would say it was. Well, yeah, I'd say, yeah, Sheena would count. Like, like if uh, Tarzan, I kind of consider... Like, even a strip is sort of, in, in a way, it's it's a comic book, like a, like a shorter kind, but still... It was something that was originally, you know, like an illustrated uh, story and then uh, brought to life. So, yeah, I would if if Tarzan gets to be sort of a comic thing, then Sheena for sure. Well, and then, Peter, earlier you brought up heavy metal. Heavy metal is arguably Mm -hmm. the most mainstream first comic book movie because, you know, the Amicus Tales from the Crypts. They didn't do great over here. They're, you know, British and they did great in England. And, you know, Fritz the Cat was hardly a mainstream success. Heavy Metal was a success through mm-hmm. and through. Heavy Metal is one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, I can't, how can you not love Heavy Metal? I don't think I've talked to anybody that uh, dislikes that film. Like, I think everybody that I know loves Heavy Metal. When it, when Heavy Metal was, was in its theatrical run, Kevin Eastman, who later bought Heavy Metal magazine, said he used that movie as a gauge to girlfriends. He would take them to Heavy Metal on a, on a first date, and if they didn't like it, they didn't have a second date. <laughs> I'm not joking! So Heavy Metal is a kick-ass one. Stick, sticking with the early 90s here, though, from hardware, you go to... now. I like the film for the way it looks and its style. I don't like it as a movie because I just don't think it works. But 1991's The Rocketeer was a huge comic book movie. That was a comic book movie almost unlike anything that had come out before because it was this kind of Indiana Jones-style throwback thing along with the fun of, like, the Superman serials along with the sort of pulp stylings. I didn't like the movie, but I liked the aspects of the movie. But The Rocketeer was actually a pretty decent hit in 91. But again, a lot of people forget, oh, yeah, that was based on a comic book. I really like Rocketeer. Um, That was a movie that I watched a lot as a kid, like a little bit later than, you know, I sort of discovered it, of course, after Robocop and Heavy Metal and, and stuff like that. It's one that I haven't seen in a long time, and I really would like to watch it again because it's one that, like, it was kind of the movie I watched a lot when... I was maybe 14 or 15 or something like I just I really liked the way it looked. The the, the helmet looked cool and all this stuff. And I kind of dug the comic and stuff like that. It's one that I remember liking and would like to check it out again. Rocketeer was 
it's such a cool like looking movie and uh, I haven't seen it in a very long time. I just remember uh, that the the look of it was so cool and it like had you a said, very it, pulp style to the look. Yeah, it was very swashbuckling, mm-hmm. kind of had an Indiana Jones vibe to it. And uh, mm-hmm. similar to Peter, you know, I remember liking it, but uh, I haven't seen it in ages. And uh, I should go back and check it out again because I think I Scott, what what year was that? Like 91. I, I I haven't seen it since I think 92. Let's dip back into the 60s again for a different kind of comic book movie. One that I think most Americans are surprised to find out is a comic book movie. Most Europeans are not. And that is Barbarella. I, I did, but I haven't read any any of the comics, really. I just know that it's it's based on one. That's well, pretty much the re- it. The reason you haven't read them is you don't read French. It's a French comic book <laughs> that it's based on. At least when I was growing up, there were no English language adaptations. Maybe they have translated them into English sense. I tried to read some. I had my, my library had like a collection of them all in French. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, the pictures are pretty. I don't understand a damn word of it, but the pictures are pretty. Barbarella is is a comic book movie from the early 90s. Time Cop is a comic book movie based on the Dark Horse comic. I haven't seen Time Cop since it first came out. I remember liking it. I remember the TV series not being so great. Time Cop is awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's still like some of the CGI is a little dodgy, but the movie is still a crap ton of fun. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't know Time Cop was a comic, but that's it's easily one of my favorite Van Damme flicks. That movie's a lot of fun, and now I want to check out the comics. Mark Verhaden, I love him. He wrote the comics, and he wrote the uh, I don't know if he wrote the final screenplay for the movie, but I know he wrote a screenplay for the movie. I love Mark Verhaden's stuff. Now, ar- around this time, you you also had some other independent comic movies made, such as the disastrously bad Barb Wire film. Oh my god. <laughs> That okay. Here's the thing about barbed wire. the The reason it doesn't work is barbed wire. The universe is fine. The style is fine. The villain's fine. The plot is fine. My God, is the barbed wire character everything that is wrong with that movie? That should have been a. They should have said, "We've got this great universe. We really need to find a character people are going to give a shit about to star in it." Well, I hated <laughs> that film. There's there's three things with barbed wire. First thing, two of them Anderson's tits. Uh, okay, there's five things with <laughs> <laughs> like first off, the coming from the Dark Horse universe, the comics greatest universe that they were doing at the time, the books were great. She is a very good character. Oh, I had I didn't know I didn't have a problem with the comic character. No, 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 I, I know that, but I'm just the kinda, movie character. I'm just going into that. But the thing was at the time, comic book movies were kind of starting to kind of resurge and Pamela Anderson was super huge at the time. So they were kind of hoping and super huge, super huge. They were kind of hoping that they could parlay that, uh, you know, her Baywatch success into a movie career. And unfortunately she, uh, didn't really have a lot of, um, she didn't have a lot of charisma on the screen uh, like when she was trying to be a badass and her, you know, don't call me babe. Like it didn't work when she it worked in the comic. Didn't work when she said it. The movie is Casablanca. Well, so, so <laughs> was the comic. Uh, more so in the movie. The, the movie is is you, you could probably match up beat for beat. It's Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought that was interesting to have like a 
somewhat post-apocalyptic-y sci-fi Casablanca. I, I was down with that. I just hated barbed wire. I remember when that movie came out. God, when was that? It was like, what, 95, 96? Somewhere around there. It was mid-90s. I remember being like a little kid and that coming out. And of course, being a little boy, kind of uh, knowing knowing what I uh, knowing what I liked, what uh, persuasion I swung from, obviously, uh, I got kind of excited about it. And then I actually finally watched the movie because I was expecting like, I don't I, I, I was expecting something a lot more like violent and over the top. And, and what I en- ended up remember seeing was was just a very bland film. And I ended up being very disappointed with it. Like, I remember thinking as a kid, like this wasn't as like cool and violent as I thought it would be. Like I, I kind of only saw it for the for the reason of thinking that it was going to be this like ultra violent Pamela Anderson titty movie, and it and it wasn't as uh, exploitative as as I was hoping for. I'll admit I like the movie. I'm not saying that it's a good movie, but it's a movie that for some reason I, I guess it's because it's post apocalyptic and there's a fair amount of tits in it, and it's got Jack Noseworthy who I like, and uh, I don't know. It's it's can't be entertaining. I haven't seen it in a while. I was thinking about doing an episode on it. But uh, but anyway, the last time I saw it, I tried to get my wife to watch it, and she was pretty much just like, oh, oh God, oh, Pamela Anderson is terrible. <laughs> she cannot act. She's so no. bad. Like, she, she works on Baywatch because it's just, you know, she just kind of runs around the beach. But here she's, like, so tough, and it just didn't work. And, I mean, they had a – wasn't Udo Kier – in the movie, like they had like they had like some good actors in the movie and they were they were trying. But just the star was was just really uh, hokey. Pamela Anderson getting naked at different points in the movie for no reason whatsoever. You know, lots of random explosions. It's it's entertaining. But yeah, like corny. Now, you know what made for a movie that's a lot more fun than it should have been earlier. You guys brought up black scorpion well that was part of showtime had this thing with roger corman for two years called roger corman presents where every saturday they would have either a made for tv remake of an old roger corman aip film like a bucket of blood humanoids from the deep she creature haunted sea and or whatnot as well as new roger corman produced stuff so he wasn't making stuff direct to video at that point he was making it exclusive to showtime somehow roger corman got the rights to vampirella (laughs) <laughs> and in 1996, he made a Vampirella movie for Showtime starring Roger Daltrey as a rock star playing space vampire trying to take over the world. Talia Sato or um, something like that as as Vampirella. Angus Scrim as the king of the vampire planet Draculon. Outfit was perfect. Casting was perfect. Movie. I, I don't know. Roger Daltrey. Oh, OK. I, no, OK. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. Casting of Vampirella. Was okay, the, 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 that's fair. <laughs> she looked the, the, with the outfit, it nailed it. And she's not a bad actress. She had to and, have been poured into that outfit. Oh my God. Yeah, definitely. Just every day, <laughs> you know, just, just barely fitting into that thing. And well, I mean, it was if she sneezed, that outfit was coming off. Yeah, nipple was flying out somewhere. <laughs> but uh, Wynorski directed it. So what did you expect? Uh, I kind of would put Vampirella in the barbed wire camp, although not, I think, well, no, 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 there was nudity, but it wasn't, Vampirella didn't get nude. I think it was uh, Karina Harney, who was a uh, Playboy Playmate, was in that, and I think she got naked. Strange cameo, John Landis is one of the astronauts that Vampirella kills, because why not? Just have John Landis be there. 
it's uh, that it's it's a campy movie. I that's one I haven't seen in a long time, but I, I do remember enjoying it. And I remember enjoying Teliza Soto in the Vampirella outfit. That's something I vaguely remember and should definitely check out again. Well, and then you know around the same time now. I know Cecil's going to go off on this. I didn't like Tank Girl. I, I just think Naomi Watts is very attractive in it, and I think despite what she thinks, she does a good job in it. Lori Petty is the most annoying creature in the universe for the 90 minutes of this movie. The plot is ridiculous fun. Ice-T as a can- mutant kangaroo and all that, that's stupid, but it's fun. I can't stand every second Lori Petty is on screen in Tank Girl. She wrecks the movie for me. And maybe because I did not read the comics before I saw the movie, I read the comics after, I can't get into the comics because all I picture is Lori Petty wanting me to put a gun in my mouth. I don't mind Tank Girl. Uh, I think it's uh, it's one of those just, just kind of fun. Like I, I liked the... Uh, I like this visual aesthetic. I think the the post apocalyptic look look was nice. Um, it, it sort of reminds me of uh, of movies like like Hell Comes to Frogtown and and stuff like that. And I know that one wasn't a, a comic book movie per se, but it has that sort of vibe and it's it's sort of got an got an air of silliness to it with some over the top action and and stuff like that. So from what I remember, like I, I haven't seen Tank Girl in. Uh, I don't know, like almost 10 years or something, but I remember liking it. You're, you know, you're entitled. I mean, I, I can understand why people wouldn't like Tank Girl because it it is uh, Lori Petty is just on. She's constantly at like an 11. She's just the whole movie just hyper and caffeinated is how I kind of portray. That's how I see the car- the comic book. Because uh, she's always doing goofy things, wearing different outfits, jumping up and down, just dropping bombs on. Th- like, it, it's just the comic is so insane for her to kind of encapsulate that. It was really impressive. I uh, I enjoy it. I think she nailed it. I don't think that um, if they ever do decide to do another Tank Girl movie, there's nobody that could upstage Lori Petty. She just absolutely freaking nails it. Well, audiences didn't agree because it tanked, no pun intended, hard. <laughs> yeah, but again, uh, Laurie Petty was not a big name. The movie, uh, the comic was not a well-known comic. and I believe that just, was another Dark Horse comic, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was originally from an independent, uh, and then it got picked up by Dark Horse. Uh, it, I mean, a lot of factors go into why it didn't, it, it didn't just have, uh, any appeal and, uh, and some people still, uh, just, oh, worst movie ever, you know, and these are people. Well, it's that, not the uh, worst ever. I just didn't like it. No, I know, but I'm, I wasn't saying you, but I'm saying there are some people who, uh, just rag on the movie. And, uh, I, I think that it is, uh, it's a crap ton of fun and, uh, it has found, its audience over the years, as a lot of movies have, but at the time, eh, it was maybe just a little too out there for the general public. Well, if you say that, then why did The Mask with Jim Carrey, another Dark Horse property, do so well? Especially because The Mask, the the, the movie, is a such a massively watered-down version of the comic. I mean, hell, it, it, it's not even spelled right. In the comic, it's M-A-S-Q-U-E instead of M-A-S-K. When the movie started to get made, they changed the title of the comic to match the movie. Comics are insanely violent. In, I mean, mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. gory as hell. They are a hard, hard R, NC-17 
if that were if the comics would have been made into the move into a movie. So let's make it into a fun cartoony style PG thirteen. I oh. thought the mask was an insult of a comic adaptation. Sometimes when they go off from what the intended thing is, it works. A lot of time, the majority of the times, it fails miserably. But the thing with the mask was. Um, Jim Carrey had just come off of Ace Ventura, so he was really successful at the time. And the mask was using a lot of CGI and stuff and effects that I still think look good today. But it was stuff that nobody had really seen before. And it was kind of a live action Looney Tunes movie mm. is how it came across. Have you read, have you read the comics, the, the hyper violent M-A-S-Q-U-E versions? I got a uh, thing... I think it was called CD Romix that was out at the time, and it was like uh, it was like 50 issues of it on uh, CD, where like it kind of was slightly animated versions of the comics, and I read uh, a bunch of them that way. And yeah, 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 they were very violent. And uh, I mean, he's it, it, exploding people with he, he sticks a machine gun up a guy's ass, and just the guy explodes into a torrent of gore in the comics. And you go, yeah, the 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 movie tone is totally different i i would have liked to have seen that version but it wouldn't have done as well as the version that we did get and yeah. i still i love the version that came out i think it's hilarious i think it's still good it's i think it's a genuinely funny movie and uh it, it's just it's different i think that in this case they um they kind of made a gamble by changing from the comic and uh it succeeded hugely I don't think Jim Carrey would have done it if it were like super violent like the original comic was. And I think my uh, my love of the movie probably helps that I, I didn't know about the comics first. Or maybe I would have liked it anyway because I was pretty young the first time I saw it. And I still do really like uh, The Mask as a movie. What Cecil was saying, the effects still really hold up. It's really funny. Uh, I like the way the character is portrayed. I, th I thought Jim Carrey did a damn good job in that movie. And yeah, the comics are very different. They're almost like uh, like kind of what they would start doing with uh, Deadpool, just a character that's very fourth wall breaking and very violent and talking shit while he's killing people brutally and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I think uh, that character, um, a, a lot of like the the edgier fourth wall breaking kind of violent characters have have a lot to owe to to characters like the Mask, I, I believe. And and while I would like to see uh, a version of the Mask that's more faithful to the comics, I still really like the the '90s uh, Jim Carrey uh, version, and it's it's one of my one of my favorite movies that he did from that time, and and you really. The reason why it, I think, uh, it, it did as well as it did, because I mean, Cecil brought up that you know Jim Carrey was hot off the heels of, of Ace Ventura, and and he was a heavyweight at that time. He, whatever he was putting out, uh, people were wanting to see, and and Mask was really, really one of the good ones he did. Another one from that era. Most people they don't forget that this was a comic movie. They never knew it, and that would be Men in Black. That was based on I think it was Air Cell that put out the original comic, so a tiny independent company. And to me, kind of like with the Mask, I think the people that made Men in Black, for the reason of success, they made the right they made the right decision. But if you've ever read the Men in Black comics, they're the villains. Yeah, they it's are way sadistic different. and evil. They will they they don't. They don't use the neuralizers so much as they straight up murder your ass to keep the conspiracy quiet. That's <laughs> what the, the movie got totally wrong. In the comics, the men in black are the bad guys. So <laughs> I, I don't know. When I saw the movie, I kind of went like, 
this is almost like a satire of the comic. Like, did, did they read the comic or just kind of take the basic premise and forget that the men in black are not the good guys? I think uh, with that one, I, I didn't know it was a comic when I saw it. Um, but then when I found out about the comic, I thought it was hilarious because, I mean, if you think the the mask is a bastardization of the comic, Men in Black is completely different. As you said, they're the villains. They're the bad guys. They're they're killing people to uh, to keep uh, the, these secrets safe and, and conspiracies locked up and whatnot. That one is just it, it's pretty much almost 100 percent different besides the outfits, like besides the, you know, the the black suits with the white shirts and the ties and stuff. And I, I didn't mind uh, Men in Black, the the movie. I think uh, it still holds up somewhat decently. The sequels are terrible, but I still don't mind the first one. Really liked it when I was when I was younger. I think I actually might have even seen that one in theaters. But that one really is, if you compare that one to the comics, it's hilarious. Just the difference in in what they changed. And I don't think they I don't think they necessarily forgot, but I think they just went. We're going to take this general concept of these like FBI secret service type guys fighting aliens and we're going to use that as the general premise where they're the heroes and they're being the world safe from from aliens or, or whatever. I think that's that's kind of just what they did. They went a sort of general adaptation and and they knew that it would sell better than doing this very bitter cynical approach where the Men in Black are, are, you know, evil bad guys and killing people. I think they, they just wanted to have a fun movie, uh, you know, action sci-fi comedy with uh, Will Smith and and Tommy Lee Jones fighting aliens. Uh, I didn't read the uh, Men in Black comics until after uh, the movie, and I really only read a couple of them. But uh, I loved the first movie. The only thing that bothered me about the first movie was that uh, by the time I saw it, because the trailers had shown so much of the freaking movie, it felt like I was seeing it for the second time. I did thoroughly enjoy the movie. I loved it. Uh, I thought that uh, the effects were were great. I, I liked how it was uh, campy, but uh, still expensive. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was so awesome as Edgar. Uh, yes. Let me ask you this then. Would you have preferred a, a version of the comics, which were basically, let's take all of the sinister elements of the X-Files and make them more sinister? I'd like both. Would it would would the a straight adaptation of the comic have been successful? Not at all. No, absolutely not. Um, Tommy Lee Jones probably would have done it, but uh, Will Smith probably wouldn't have, and he was on fire at the time, so uh, it probably wouldn't have gone over quite as well. It would have been R rated, and even though R rated oh, yeah, films the back then, violent as hell. Well, back then, I mean, R-rated films weren't the stigma that they are now, so it probably uh, would have done well, but. Uh, for better or worse, I don't think we'd be on Men in Black 3 if uh, they would have done that. But um, Men in Black <laughs> 2 was kind of a mess. And Men in Black 3, they were writing while they were filming the freaking thing. I'm still mm. amazed that that movie actually turned out to be okay. I was really expecting that to be a complete train wreck, but it ended up being surprisingly decent. These next two, are, people are going to go, holy crap, those were comic books? The Tom Hanks movie Road to Perdition. Mm -hmm. That was the one I was waiting for you. I'm like, okay. He's got to say Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition there... and A History of Violence from 2005. Those are both comic book movies. Not that you'd know it from watching the movies. They're both fantastic films that you would never guess were comic book movies, would you? Uh, if I didn't know, then no. Uh, I haven't seen Road to Perdition in a while, but I love History of Violence and was surprised to, to find out it was a comic. I didn't know that. 
it's easily one of my favorite uh, later David Cronenberg films. Like, really goddamn good. Technically a comic book movie, and it's also a 2000 AD movie, and that's Shaun of the Dead. Shaun mm. of the Dead is actually based on the story didn't see print until after Shaun of the Dead was about ready to come out, but was written first. There was a, a short story about the zombie Mary. Remember, this is the first one that they had, that they uh, find in their yard, and she ends up getting a pipe through her chest, Mary the mm. shopping clerk. There yeah. was an eight-page short story in 2000 AD about how she became a zombie. Even though it didn't come out until later, it was written earlier, Shaun of the Dead is a comic book movie when you really break it down. I guess it can be a comic book movie almost in in the same vein that RoboCop is kind of a Judge Dredd movie. Well, now we got to breeze through the next couple here. I don't consider this a superhero movie, even though it's connected to superhero movies. Constantine is a fantastic non-superhero comic movie. Now, the movie, I think, is a gorgeous film. It's a fantastic movie. It's well-told, well-acted, well-directed. I'm talking about the 2005 theatrical, but it is so not the character of Constantine from the comics. <laughs> they changed damn near everything. I consider it a separate entity, but it's a fantastic movie. Very cool movie. Um, definitely different uh, from the from the comics. I thought uh, like visually it kind of nailed a lot of it, but just the character depiction and and stuff like that. But uh, solid. It's a solid film. Really a hell of a performance from uh, Keanu Reeves and and everyone all around. Uh, that that's one that I think is. I, I, I'll admit, Jaiman Huntsu steals the couple of scenes he has though. <laughs> yeah, and it's an it's an underrated flick too. I think not not enough people. Um, know about it and a lot of people should go and, and kind of rediscover it and, and, and check it out again because it was one of those it was really that was a 2005 that it came out 2005 mm -hmm. and it's a Shia LaBeouf film too <laughs> well, he's in it but it's not a it's a Keanu Reeves film more oh, actually yeah. I'd say Keanu Reeves and Rachel Weiss long before uh Shia LaBeouf like he's and, barely and, in and it as we pointed out a couple of weeks ago Peter Stormare has the single best scene in the whole film yeah. Oh, yeah. As Satan? Yes. He's such a charismatic <laughs> Satan, too. Yes. And how freaking amazing was Tilda Swinton as Gabriel? Because the yeah. whole movie, like, because my, my wife had no idea who she was. So, like, as we're watching the movie, she was like, all right, is that a girl or a guy? Well, and she I'm was like, supposed well, to be very androgynous. Well, that's, I'm like, know. that was kind of the thing. And even Gavin Rosdale was good. Pruitt Taylor Vance. Everybody, oh. everybody in that movie was fantastic. Everybody, the the story was good. The effects were good. The, like everything about that movie was good. And the it's plot twist was genuine too. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that the thing is, kind of not so much anymore. I saw that one in the theater. I also saw it in a the theater. Also, seeing now now post John Wick, where people are like love in love with Keanu Reeves again. It was it was a movie that came out. It did well, but then uh, it's canoe, uh, you know, and, and like they would just uh, sit there with their mouth open and try to imitate them. It didn't, do, it didn't do very well theatrically either. No, it didn't do well theatrically. It's a shame because it was so freaking. Well, I mean, it did pretty good, but it, it didn't was not do, a hit. It was not a hit. I, it made its money back, but it wasn't like the blockbuster that they were hoping for. And I know they wanted to do another one. Because they really did, like, it, they didn't end it on a cliffhanger, but they did set it up for more stuff. And uh, I would have loved for them to do it. I mean, now it's it's too late, uh, especially that they, you know, they had the Constantine TV show. Which but, also got uh, canceled on, by the way, a giant freaking cliffhanger. But, um, yeah, Constantine's a great movie. 
and it, it uh, more people who haven't seen it should really check it out. Although I'm very happy to see that uh, I'm on the IMDb and it's got a 6.9, which uh, is is fairly high for a movie that you know people will bitch about. Well, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother with the two Judge Dread movies because we've already talked about those endlessly on other episodes. I didn't like the movie, but then I didn't like the comic to begin with, and I consider the, this next movie to be all style and no substance at all. And that is 300. It is a comic book movie, and it's not a superhero one. But I thought I think there's no meat to that movie at all. That movie is all about the visuals, and they forgot to tell a goddamn story or have characters populate that story. 300, I can see the appeal. Um, I I definitely enjoy it for what it is, which is just a testosterone-fueled action film. I think it's shot definitely well. Um, there's, there's a lot of style there. But there's, Snyder... no, there's no meat. There's no substance at all. Oh, Seriously, ab- the, absolutely the, the, the not. Script, the script for that was probably 40 pages. Yeah, there's... Um, there's definitely not a whole lot of uh, substance there. I don't think they're really, I don't know if there really had to be like, it's not never something that really, really bothered me too much. If anything, just when I sit down and kind of think about the movie a little bit, I start to kind of just see the Spartans as dicks. And like, if you really think about it, like they're really not all that heroic and, and kind of stupid and base their culture on how badass they are. And all it got them was, getting their shit beat in, but also, it's, it's, uh... very, also very homoerotic. <laughs> Can't deny uh, that. Their, their culture oh, is I, all I, based around men, big muscly men, greasing up other muscling men, muscly men, barely wearing clothes and then lining up right next to one another and having each other's back literally and figuratively. It's a homoerotic film. <laughs> it's a homoerotic film for sure. It, it definitely has a, a tinge of, um, like like uh like 80s martial arts films and, and stuff like that just with lots of beefy dudes beating each other up and just so many ridiculous moments that prove the uh just the borderline awful writing like it's ridiculous action over the top gore and just it does have you know memorable lines you know but tonight we dine in hell it, it it's a catchphrase action film it it very reminiscent of a lot of the the popcorn action films from the 80s and and that might be that might be why i like it and it's it's beautifully shot i mean next zach snyder did a wonderful job with that movie i love 300 i think that uh it's 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 just so visually appealing uh i think that i disagree i think that uh there's there's a story there. It may not be an award-winning story, but it is no better or worse than a lot of action movie stories. It's basically, yeah. uh, you know, the, there's a bunch of uh, people that are ch- coming in. They're trying to kick our ass, and we're badasses, and we're going to kick their ass back and, and uh, <laughs> you know, use some tactics against them. And, hey, look at my abs. You know, I think that uh, much. <laughs> there, there's something in there for everybody. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's entertaining. And uh, I actually read the Frank Miller 300 like right before the movie came out. And uh, they did they did do a lot of changes. It's still kind of the vibe was there. And uh, and the other thing, too, yeah, they, I was just yeah, going to say replicated. They replicated like a lot of shots in the movie, uh, like with the comic, too. So they, they did um, they did pay tribute like a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of had a, the Sin City vibe going where mm-hmm. the vast majority, I, I think like 99% of everything was not on set. It was all just green screened. See, Sin City, yeah. I think, is a great comic 
movie. I haven't seen the sequel yet, but I've heard a lot of bad things. But the last one I want to talk about tonight, I love and hate. I liked parts of it, and I hated parts of it. Parts of it are directly adapted from the comic. Parts of it are very ridiculously embellished from the comic, and that's 30 Days of Night. The comic was fantastic. Little thin, you know, there was lots of things that needed to be beefed up. I thought got the visuals and the tone just right. But they forgot to, and I know this is going to sound weird when I'm talking about a vampire movie, they forgot to make it realistic. How these people are spending, they spend like 18 days hiding in that attic. Nobody's facial hair grows. They don't <laughs> know where they're going to the bathroom. They've got no food. They've got no heat, and yet they're still, you know, and it's like I realize that you're jumping to a couple of minutes later in screen time, but you can't go 18 days later and everyone looks exactly the same. And the whole movie is full of that. It just, it bothered me with how much detail they put into everything else that those kind of details were like, really? You didn't think that far ahead? Because the comic dealt with a lot of the realistic aspects of the 30 Days of Night. The movie threw a lot of that out for more extra gore gore set pieces. I didn't like 30 Days of Night all that much because uh, I thought it was kind of stupid like uh like i loved the concept it makes more sense in the comic that's the thing it makes way more sense in the comic but the the movie it was just it, it just felt too slapped together like i just could not get into it now i've only ever seen it like one and a half times i saw it in the theater oh really i saw it on home video and i'd like to maybe give it another world just out of curiosity but um i i just was very just disappointed with it. I had never read the comic. Um, I've seen the movie a few times. I I enjoy it. I think just as as a vampire concept, uh, especially for a recent one, it's really good. Um, especially for like a new vampire movie. You know, when you compare it to the the Twilights and the True Bloods and whatnot. Well, speaking of Twilight, not Twilight, but it's a blatant ripoff of the Twilight Zone 1985 episode Red Snow. But yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Um, I, I like Thirty Days of Night. Um, I think it's uh, got a nice pace to it. It's uh, action packed. It's violent. It's it's, it's hard nice, R. Oh yeah, it's hard R. It's a nice uh, fresh take on on vampire stuff. Like it's not just rehashing a lot of the the, the same old shit or, or watering it down with sparkling pussified vampires. But I I do I have been intending to read the comics just because I I dug the movie uh, quite a bit. While you do need to read the first series first, the second comic series, Dark Days, which was a terrible movie, that (laughs) comic one-ups everything in the first book. I thought Dark Days was a far better and had a pretty damn witty plot twist in it, too. So for the comics, I highly recommend Dark Days, but it won't make any sense if you haven't read the original miniseries. We discussed a lot of comic book movies that people probably are a little surprised or forgot were comic book movies. Why do you think that this is before you were on the show, Peter, but Cecil and I talked about how the, the the superhero comic field or the superhero movie field literally on the precipice of imploding. And we did this about a year ago and no one paid attention to us. Steven Spielberg just this week basically iterated the same thought Cecil and I did and everyone pays attention. Cecil, did that kind of bug you a little bit? No, because I would think that uh, Steven Spielberg has a lot more weight than I do. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm sure if somebody was like, you know, CISO said that, uh, you know, comic book movies or blah, blah, be like, what? And Steven Spielberg. Holy shit. You know, I mean, I, I would I would like to think that that would make a kind of a bigger uh, impact. So 
I mean, he he's just reiterating what we what we saw coming. He may have seen it coming a long time ago, but didn't really talk about it until now. So yeah, I, I think that uh, now I I think that people are overreacting. They're not looking at the what he's saying. They're kind of looking at what the news is reporting what that he's he said. Is right though. Oh, what he's saying is absolutely right. It's like, look, it's not he's not saying that comic book movies are going to go away. He's just saying that eventually they're going to reach a tipping point where they're going to just be replaced by the next thing. I mean, well, think he of, also he also I want to correct you on one thing. He also wasn't talking about comic book movies. He talked about superhero movies, well, which superhero, I think mm-hmm. is a different thing. And that's why it's relevant to the topic tonight. After the big influx of uh, superhero movies, I mean, I know that they've got these things mapped out for years in advance, which is smart. But uh, I think eventually uh, we're going to start seeing some diminishing returns and then eventually uh, they'll kind of go away and they'll still be uh, here. You know, they'll still be one or two or however many every so often. But uh, it's not going to be the Blitzkrieg like we're going to get next year where we've got like 20 superhero movies, which I don't have a problem with. I mean, I'll probably watch the vast majority of them, but I know the general public is probably going to start getting uh, a little sick of them. Do you see when the superhero genre implodes, do you think comic book movies will be safe? Like the kinds we were talking about tonight, the independence and the, the things like Road to Perdition where people are like, that was a comic book? Do you think those <laughs> are safe or do you think the entire comic book to movie field is doomed? I'd like to think that the more uh, independent base ones would be safe because, I mean, I'm I'm one of the people, you know, holding out for a Dread 2 and I'd like to see another Crow movie and, and stuff like that. But I've, I've got this uh, worry that when um, the superhero movies kind of start going away, the general comic book ones will too because there just hasn't been that great of an audience for the independent stuff. Like whenever it comes out, like there's a, there's a nice little niche market of, of people who really love movies like Dread when they come out but they just don't do well enough to warrant sequels. And instead we get Paul Blart 3000 or Grown Ups 2500, like all this all this crap that's uh, being churned out. So I don't know. I, I, I think when, uh, when they kind of start to uh, diminish in box office popularity, it, the, the indie films or the, you know, the independent comic books movies and uh, non-superhero comic book movies are, are going to take uh, the brunt of that as well, because it's going to be even harder to to actually finance one because, you know, nobody's really wanting to go see a superhero movie. So there's not much of a market for comic book stuff, too. And I hope I'm wrong about that. I, I would I would like to think that if the superhero stuff diminishes a bit, we'll get some more, you know, independent comic books, some more 2000 AD stuff. Like, like I said, a crow movie and, and stuff like that. Like, I would really like to see more stuff like that, like. I think the I think the future is much darker for comic films. We're gonna have to leave it at that tonight. Pancake Pancakes Watkins. If people want to find you, <laughs> where would they do so? You, you not being a superhero and all. Pancakes Watkins is your porno name now. Yeah, you you can find uh, can find me dishing out uh, cinematic vigilante justice uh, at Zinematica on Twitter, uh, Cinemasochist on Facebook, uh, Cinemasochist on YouTube. And on 1201beyond.com, where I am now apparently Pancakes Watson. <laughs> Pancakes Watson, yes. Cecil, where can where can people find you polishing your new legs? Uh, they can find me polishing my new legs at escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, geekjustmedia.com, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, that stuff. 
And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And if we left off your favorite non-superhero comic movie, let us know. And no, Spawn doesn't count. Todd McFarlane considers Spawn a superhero. That's why it wasn't on the list. Because I already know I was going to get people saying, when about Spawn? No. Just a minute, gang. <laughs> oh, baby. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.